Hey everybody, welcome to Fintech Insider Interviews. I'm Sam Mall. I'm in New York this week. The weather has been flipping incredible. I'm very happy. Um, other than if you walk a mile and go to the wrong office, which I did earlier and I wasn't even drunk. Um, <laughs> but I, I came back an hour and a half later. I'm sitting here with Michael Giacconi. He's the CEO of Button. We're in the penthouse suite. We'll take pictures. It is cool. It's not as cool as you're imagining. That you've got to look outside. Yeah, you know. What we're there's drinking. A, there's a roof deck. Coney Island Mermaid Pilsner, which yeah. is really good, by the way. So I'm good. All right. So, Michael, first, uh, let's talk a little bit about you. Cool. And, and then we'll dive in. Um, so aside from having a dinner date with your wife in about 20 minutes, yes. Um, can you give me just a quick overview of your background? Sure. Prior so uh, I've been uh, an entrepreneur since I was a little guy. I, uh, my, New York based? I was actually born and raised in LA. And so- You look like you were born and really? raised in LA. Really? Oh, okay. We're that's, gonna take I a think picture. That's, 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 that's a compliment. Uh, that's a compliment, thank you. Uh, so I was, I was, my parents used to laugh at me because I'd go wash a neighbor's car and after washing it, knock on the door and see if they would pay me. Uh, and I had a pretty good conversion rate. You did uh, the work first. Yeah, I like did the that. work first. Uh, and then like, you know, the cute kid with the bucket, it would, uh, it would convert well. Um, so was an entrepreneur from, you know, a, a young age and was inspired by my dad, I think largely, who was an entrepreneur. Went into uh, at first working in D.C. for a few years, and then the bug for entrepreneurship. L.A. to D.C. Why? Yeah, you that's know, a weird move. They often say D.C. is kind of L.A. or Hollywood for ugly people, and I think maybe I fit in better. I'm not. I'm not sure, but uh, my sister was in D.C. She worked for a show Meet the Press. Inspired oh, me to come over. Good show, know. by the way. It was an awesome show, and Tim Russer was yeah. her mentor. Oh, uh, phenomenal person, legend, legend, and um, and so then was there for a few years. But then, a couple guys were starting a small company out of Boston, and it had a cause orientation to it, altruistic mission, and it was basically helping nonprofits raise money uh, through people's online actions. And uh, I'd lost my mom to lung cancer. They were trying to help uh, fight cancer through uh, this platform. Inspired me. I joined the company. And we had just this amazing wave of success that ended up uh, changing, you know, my life and trajectory. And we went and we sold the company to Rakuten, big uh, Japanese conglomerate. Yeah. And uh, we were one of the early acquisitions for Rakuten in the U.S. And so we had this remarkable uh, experience becoming part of this big company. Uh, I got very close with the CEO and founder of Rakuten as a mentor and and. Uh, uh, almost like a father figure to me for a while. And then um, I was this young guy with probably no reason to be in this role, but I started to help lead M&A and look at investments for them. And so I got this vantage point for uh, a big, big company to see what was emerging in tech across the world because Rakuten was everything in Japan and it wanted to be everything every, everywhere else. And so I had this really cool vantage point probably was unqualified for the uh, for the position, but uh, got to see what was emerging and that inspired me to start Button. And so that was about five years ago. Yeah, the timing for Button, I remember, because I'm, I'm, I've known Chris, I say I've known Chris, I know Chris yeah. on social media, but uh, Mike Dudas and a couple mm -hmm. other, right? Mm -hmm. knew that, that core group. Yeah. And I remember, you know, so the Venmo background. Yeah, of course. And then when they, Mike, I think I was in Vegas with Mike, if I remember right. Money 2020. Money, yeah, yeah. that awful thing. Sorry, Money. We love you, Money 2020. <laughs> best best, yeah, best, best business talking. in the world. Yeah, it's a great model. Yeah. Uh, but I, was, I think I was with Mike there, and he told me about Button. And I was like, oh my God, that's genius. Yeah. 
under Thank the covers you. is beautiful. Yeah, that's uh, it is an it is an invisible layer of technology that sits in a lot of places people don't see. Um, but the you know the fun part about it is that five years ago to today we've had a singular mission uh, and vision for what we wanted to do, which was give consumers what they want uh, at the touch of a button. And if you could uh, if you could do that, if you could give a consumer a chance to find something they wanted in that moment of intent, you'd probably be able to build a pretty cool business if you could scale that. And that was the the dream. And, uh, you know, we've we've had a, you know, five year battle to get in every single place that we can, but it feels like it's starting to roll. And frankly, you know, from the start, the relationship we had with the payment and, and fintech world was was vital uh, in terms of our founding thesis, because we wanted to bring all these folks on that had experience making commerce easy. And that was kind of the thesis of a lot of the payment businesses out there. Uh, Venmo, obviously, Braintree, uh, and that's where Chris Mattern and Mike Dudas hail from. And then Mikey Wakerly, our CTO, came from Google Wallet. And so we've got these you know, three powerhouses when we started to just really focus on how can we make users get closer to the transaction and button never wanted to be the payment mechanic, but we wanted to be really close to it. Uh, cause we felt like if we could make commerce easier, it would build, it would build a pretty cool business. Yeah. It's a genius idea. And it was one of those when you hear it, I know you, cause you did it in it, right? Yeah. It's one of those, when you hear the idea, you're like, well, someone's doing that already. Mm -hmm. You know, there's mm -hmm. no way somebody's not doing this already. Yeah. yeah. And then you go and you look and you're like, I'll be damned. Yeah. That was like the founding of the company and us finding the name. So the name we were, Assuming there were 10 companies named Button. There's no way Button's not taken. And right? Button wasn't taken. And I'm literally, I'm looking and I'm, you know, obviously we're incorporated in the state of Delaware and we're looking and I'm, I'm saying to myself, I'm like, this is unbelievable. There's 40 derivatives of Button. A Button, Play Button, this Button, that Button. And there's no Button. And I'm like, oh my God. This, this was meant to be. This is a sign from God. <laughs> yes. We're going to make it. Uh, and that was like day one. I remember exactly where I was in New York City. Isn't that amazing though yeah. when, when those moments happen? Yes. So, so if, I'm, if I'm sitting in Shoreditch in London yeah. and I'm like, Button. Uh, that was my English accent. This yeah. is as good as it gets. That was, that was button. Spot on. What is Button? How would you describe it for them? So I would, I would say um, it, it, it depends a little on the audience, but yeah. the, the easiest way to uh, define it is we're a platform that integrates or gives companies the chance to integrate commerce into their business models. And uh, what we mean by that is what we're trying to build is an internet built on actions, not on ads. And that's where we think the future is heading. So if you're, uh, let's say a banking or payments application, and uh, what you're seeing is everybody wants to build a commerce strategy today whether it's integrating with Plaid and trying to understand what people are spending across a myriad of retailers or trying to make money through sending traffic to retailers, um, you need to understand how to build a model that has a retail or a commerce interaction, I think, if you want to be a big business, yeah. big business in the future. You don't have many options today to do that well, especially in mobile. And so what we do is we go to companies, banks, financial institutions, uh, influencers, um, content properties, local properties. And we say, hey, if you guys want to weave commerce into your business model, there's a few ways you can do it, but Button's the best option. I like that phraseology, weave commerce into the business model. Yeah. Because that's, it's, it, and, and he also said that action and intent, yeah. right? 
Because it is. It is woven in. It's not yeah. a standalone. It's and, just and, part and, of the And just the, the pressure wow. ads are feeling in today's world. Yeah. You've got to understand that, you know, you look at Facebook and the fact that Instagram launched Checkout a few weeks ago, um, and you notice that every platform is dying to get into commerce. Yeah. Because they know that the durability of their ads business is actually going to be dependent on the commerce that they drive and the actions that they drive. The problem that a lot of companies realize is that if they're ads dependent alone, then what user habituation or what behavior are you habituating that is going to make advertisers want to spend with you over time? And what people have recognized is that Amazon, as an engine of commerce, now has arguably the most exciting ads business in the world. Why? Because advertisers want to go buy transactions and more transactions, and there's unending budget in that environment. Whereas how many game installs can you drive? How many impressions could you, you know, ultimately give? There's probably a finite period by which that measurement of success isn't enough. So looking back, right, let's go back five years. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, as of now, if you go out and you look at some of the brands in the portfolio, it's yeah. they're the names you'd want to see, right? You're yep. talking Uber and Foursquare, Groupon, yep. Expedia. You, you take your pick. But there's always that first one. Yeah. Right? It was and Uber no, for us. Seriously? Oh, yeah. And we, oh, we're done. Yeah. We, yeah, we were. <laughs> How? Relationships well, already? Yeah, it was a pretty fun. Well, the, the whole story was pretty exciting in terms of getting Uber to agree to work with Button. Because you got to admit, landing your first one and it being Uber? Everything we did at the company was about Uber when we started. Oh, and sorry. so... But that makes sense when you think about integration and weaving it yeah, through. Yeah, it was everything. If we could get Uber, it was like almost... We've, we've had this kind of joking statement of Button, if you build it, they will come. Uh, Field of Dreams yeah, you yeah. Know, line. Um, but we knew that if we could have Uber adopt or endorse this concept we would have an opportunity to do well. And uh, what ultimately happened was Uber launched an API program and we took uh, that API and we rebuilt the Uber app from scratch. And we showed this to the folks in charge of that uh, platform and they said, wow, we're working with Hilton, we're working with Starbucks, we're working with yeah. all these amazing brands. And you know what, Button, we're gonna, we're gonna work with you too. And so we were there on the website next to these, you know, public and multi-billion dollar businesses. There was, you know, Hilton Starbucks and the little old button. And we're like, this is, we made it. Yeah. Uh, but what was really, what was really awesome was Uber looked at us and said, you guys can accelerate the adoption of the Uber service across, you know, the mobile world. And we said, what company isn't going to want that? And, um, and that was really where it started. Uh, they, were, they were integral to everything early on um, and still to this day are, you know, one of our best and, and strongest partners. This deal sets apart to a brighter future. We will leave the EU. Clearly the pressure is beginning. British jobs. The more you hear about Brexit, the less clear it all becomes. When everyone else is shouting. Listen. For the clarity behind the headlines, subscribe to the Financial Times. Visit ft.com. Today, customers are demanding greater value from financial services. They expect more agility, innovation and security than ever before. Most financial institutions are held back by the shackles of closed legacy systems that limit transparency, block innovation and ignore customers' demands. Finastra has a bold vision to unlock the potential of people and business. 
They've created a platform for open innovation in the world of financial services with FusionFabric.cloud. Their solutions span retail, transaction lending, and treasury and capital markets on-premise and in the cloud. Start your transformation journey today with Finastra. You know, one of the questions that Guy Ross always asks mm -hmm. on, you know, how I built this yeah. is, uh, do you attribute this to luck or hard work, mm -hmm. right? You know, everything, everybody always comes back with yes. Both. Yeah. But then there's that other component of timing, Yeah. right? Timing is yeah. everything. Coming up with the right idea at the right time. Yeah. And being able to do that. And I, so you think five years ago was that? I think, I think, no. <laughs> do I think it was the right <laughs> Thank time, God. actually? Honest uh, answer. Uh, I agree. Uh, I think we were a little early to be honest, uh, in the sense that, you know, it has, it has been a, a pitch where we've gone in to many companies and said, Hey, this is where the world's heading. Yeah. And everyone, every big, you know, executive that I think is smart, believes us and agrees with us. Um, yet the proof points have never been more pronounced, more visible than they are right now. And what I mean by that is we said, hey, guys, commerce is the future. Commerce is what is the integral and the fundamental basis of everything that happens in China. China is what we can look to for inspiration in terms of where we're headed, because in mobile, they're five years ahead. Yeah, think about what China was like five years ago, too, in mobile, yes. right? I mean, you look at it exactly. now, and, exactly. it, and it literally has, right? I mean, exactly. there's cash is non-existent. Exactly. Right? And so we said... China is going to be more reflective of what the future of yeah. mobile looks like than anything we know about here. Good call. So this is where the world's heading. Trust us and now start building your strategy around what you've learned about the Chinese market. And what you see now is that every company, whether it's Facebook launching Instagram checkout, whether it's Google launching shopping actions, whether it is Capital One buying Wikibuy, whether it is, it doesn't matter, the countless number of examples of companies starting to invest in commerce as a core part of their DNA, it's inevitable. We've heard, I heard uh, Andy Rubin speak in an event uh, one time and he said, you know, there's only three ways a company can make money. One, it can make money through software and selling a service over time. Two, it can uh, have people uh, pay for subscriptions or um, uh, actually scratch. He said subscriptions and SaaS uh, is one way to make money. Two is you can make money through uh, advertising and three, you can make money through selling things. He said at the end of the day, those are the three ways you can make money. Um, and in reality, you look at it now and people figured out ads, but ads are kind of easier to yeah. figure out. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of hand waving, a lot of like questions, uh, uh, unanswered questions perhaps, but commerce, commerce is real. Commerce is action. Commerce is not this sit back environment of the desktop era. It's this lean forward environment of like, you're taking action. And so, um, you know, where, where we see the world heading, you're now recognizing every day in some announcement that a new company is, you know, entering the fray with their new initiative around commerce. And I think one of the most exciting ones is the Pinterest IPO. You know, it's getting valued at its numbers, not for its revenue, but for the prospects of what it could do in commerce. And that's, and that's, I think, pretty exciting. I just think it's interesting since you were so forward thinking on that, I'm giving you a compliment. Thank you. It is funny, right? I mean, it used to be you'd go and you'd take your executive team and you go to Silicon Valley and you'd do the tour, right? Yeah. 
and and now it's Shenzhen and <laughs> you get way, in the plane and I go. do this I do this now we do it once a year we go to China and we go study and learn and try to meet with as many executives and founders as we can out there and that a hell of a statement I mean oh, it really is yeah and it's and it's something that you know I've taken away so much from what that industry is doing and from what the entrepreneurs do there um, you know I've written about this a ton we've we've talked about it a ton but if an entrepreneur isn't looking to China for inspiration or an understanding of what's to come, I think they're making a mistake. I couldn't agree more. Um, one of the, the questions our, my producer has in here is, how does your marketplace work? Mm -hmm. And I'm, I, So I sound intelligent when I, say, when I ask that. Yeah. When it comes to banking, the concept of marketplace banking, sure. Starling yeah. Bank okay. in the UK, right? Yep. Brilliant, brilliant approach. Yeah. Of they're very good at one thing and then they have through open banking, the marketplace yep. approach for that. So what about with, with you guys? So for us, what we what we do is we go into uh, a company and you know, in the payments category or uh, banking category, we can go in and say, hey guys, you're probably going to build a strategy around commerce. In that, you've got a couple options as to how you can build that strategy out. You can go do integrations with a bunch of retailers directly and waste a bunch of end resources and probably don't have. Two, you could go and integrate with Shopify and connect to a bunch of smaller uh, brands. Three, you could try to work with affiliate networks as a form of creating links to these uh, big retailers. Or four, you can use Button, which is, you know, in our opinion, the best, the best solution. When we say that, what we say is we've got a marketplace of brands. And so a couple hundred brands are on our marketplace, inclusive of the Ubers and uh, Expedia's, as you mentioned. And what they are uh, ultimately in that marketplace to do is to find new channels of traffic. What, what our dream is, is to become the third channel. You've got Google, you've got Facebook, and then you, and then you look at Button and you say, yeah, this is, a, this is an alternative, a diversifier. I like the model. It makes sense to me. One thing that stands out when, when you read about you guys, mm -hmm. um, we 190% we believe in the importance of when you, when you have a company, the importance of culture, mm -hmm. right? Um, and you guys, are you get recognized over and over and over this. So... Um, you were voted number one place to work in New York City by Cranes Magazine. That's a that's that was pretty cool, isn't it? That's that got to be cool. pretty damn cool. The coolest part, actually, I'll tell you, this this is I think the coolest part. Dropbox was number two. I heard that they had a conference room named number two, and they did that because they were number two on the list, and so their New York office apparently had this, and so we were technically number one. In addition to that, Dropbox bought a bunch of ads. And when they bought those ads to promote their number two in New York City culture, uh, we were featured right above them in the just, little snippet. And I was like, this is, what a crowning achievement that was. But it is, yeah. right? I mean, it really is. The importance yeah. of, of sustaining that yep. and, and that growth um, over, over the, as you yeah. grow, right? As you bring in more team members, yep. as, as you diversify, it's, it's not easy. It is not. It is not. And we, we just last week learned that we won the uh, Inc. Best Places again this year. So That's three good. years in a row, which is an awesome tribute. And I think the importance of it for us, and this is the probably the, the, the realness that I've gone through uh, my experience learning you need to show or demonstrate is that there's a lot of founders out there that talk about changing the world and doing these things that you know, I don't fully buy into that story all the time. And so my, my belief is we want to try to change the world of the people that bet on us and invest as much as we can in them and their growth. And I think that that has been something we authentically feel, but also authentically demonstrate through our investment in the team. And 
I'll tell any entrepreneur out there that um, when you start, write down the values you want to stand for, the values that make you better, and put them on a wall. Talk about them all the time and celebrate the people that demonstrate them. And if you do that, uh, you'll have a better chance at being recognized for a great culture. And more importantly, you'll bring phenomenal people on board to, to help you in your mission. Where do you think that came from? Is that parents? Is that, you I mean, I'm laughing so I'm thinking about you going to Washington in the cars in LA. Yeah, I, I mean, think, is that uh, from. I think it's a little bit of like learning what I didn't do right before and having lost a little bit of. Uh, the cultural fabric um, that I and we had built at Some our the first company? last company. Yeah. And when you go through an acquisition, it's also like traumatic in terms of what it does to a culture. And then the other thing where I, I really learned was, you know, Hiroshi Mikitani, who is one of the most successful men in the world and founder of Rakuten, he, you know, he still talks about the values every day at Rakuten. And he's got, you know, 10 plus thousand yeah. employees and you know he's a multi-billionaire and he's sitting there he's pointing at his values and saying this is so important speed 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 i still have them in my head you know and uh it's a um him demonstrating the importance at that level at that scale uh really showed to me you know how important that is as an area of focus for a ceo well, this is perfect for the last two questions because yeah. you already touched on it um the lessons you've learned over your career which you just did mm -hmm. so if you look back you look back over the last five or 10 years, knowing what you know today, what mm -hmm. advice if you were mentoring yourself, would you go back to say? So I think the lessons that you learn, and, and this is probably for success as an entrepreneur more than anything, is entrepreneurs uniquely have an opportunity to react to opportunity that presents itself faster and uh, with more focus than most people have the option. It's a distinct it, advantage, isn't it? It is. I mean, I remember, I remember uh, a founder saying, you can, you can come up with and code faster than most incumbents can get a meeting scheduled. Exactly. And take advantage of it. That's a massive advantage. And, and I think you've, you, you, I look at my career and I look at the things that made a difference for me or for the businesses that I was a part of or running or the teams that I was on. And it was our ability to to strike quickly uh, with ferocity and with, uh, and with focus and outpace and out hustle, that made the difference. And so I think, I think that is the, the lesson. And then, you know, I probably went through the, the, the process over a couple of years where I'm doubting, you know, if grit is as important as I thought it was in my early days, if I thought pedigree maybe took more value than, uh, than, than some of the other kind of skills that you can recognize quickly because pedigree can kind of be inflated based on whatever. Um, and I learned that really, you know, grit, hustle, I see on your computer, heart and hustle. These are things that matter uh, that, that I think are the best transferable skills and demonstrable traits or predictors of success that are out there. If you have somebody that you can look at and say, you're gonna be a happy warrior and you're gonna go into battle with me and, and you're gonna put a smile on your face and, and you know together, win or lose, we're gonna, we're gonna put everything we've got on the field. I'd take that any day over, over anything else. So what's the best single bit of career advice you've been given? I'm already gonna guess who it came from. <laughs> I would be so disappointed if, it, if it's not him, but best career advice you've ever been given? You know, I think it, it's, it's probably a little bit of my mom and my dad actually 
Um, and whether I was blessed with the fortune of having this be a part of the choice or not, but um, it came together through it came together through a lot of what the people that have inspired me most have uh, have taught me. One is. Uh, and, I'll, and I'll say the people that have influenced me here are my mom and dad, Hiroshi, and then uh, another entrepreneur who is uh, arguably the most impressive uh, person I know, Rick Elias, who's the founder of Red Ventures. Uh, he was, uh, he, he's just a phenomenal human, but uh, he was in the Sully flight that crashed in the Hudson. Uh, Hiroshi, he uh, lost a lot of his family in the Kobe earthquake. Uh, uh, and then I lost my mom. And so I think the thing that really impacted me was you have to pursue in life things that you love. And I think a lot of people forget that in their, in their chart charting of the course or in their, you know, goal sets when they're saying, I'm going to be successful and whatever that means. And so I, I talked a lot about and, and, and thought a lot about how you can identify what it is that you love that you can do that aligns with what you're good at. And so I, I, I not branded or written about or anything, but I've said to a lot of people that I mentor and coach and talk to that you should, you should write down on one axis, the things that you love to do. And on another axis, write down the things that you're really good at and find where they intersect and focus on that. There's um, a Japanese term for that. Well, <laughs> uh, no, no, there is, there's a, yeah. there's a, for the life of me, I'm going to find. That. I don't know it. I which know, is so, which I'm so sad. I would sound I don't so know, awesome right been, now. That would have been remarkable. Uh, and you will see it when I'm yeah, done. But there's, there's a terminology for that of yeah. what you're good at and the overlap for it. And yeah. There's actually a, a Japanese turn of phrase I, I, for that, which is I love just that. phenomenal. Find it and please send it to me. I've, I've kind of. Oh wait, wait, wait! How do you say that? Oh come on! You pointed at it. <laughs> we've, set, we've seen something. We, we have it right here. I'm so excited. Oh my god! Here. You go, button. I'm gonna say, uh, e Oh my god! Japanese meaning yeah. for that. Ikajai. Yeah. Ikajai. Where t-shirts are getting made. Wow! All right. If that is it, that is it. it. I'm so I call this historically a passion matrix. Oh, but no, that's good, and that's okay. But like that, that. that's going to be that's going to be that's going to be better. That's a, that is a fantastic so, turn of phrase. That, that I think. To, to the kind of short, I, it's not a short statement, so I'm sorry. No, it's, it's good. not good for a podcast, but That's the perfect. reality is uh, I think if you can do that earlier, I've, I've had a lot of these thoughts as of late where like you look at people and you talk to people and you interview people on their deathbed and they look back and they say, you know, not, not one of them says, I wish I did more in the area of work if they hated it. And, yeah. uh, and so I think that that's something people should try to focus on. Uh, as much as they can. All right. So where's the best place for listeners to learn more about Button? Uh, I think you can come to our website, follow us on Twitter. Uh, is, and the website is button.com. Please you, tell me it this. It is usebutton.com. Usebutton.com. I know, I know. No, that's an action. That's all right. It's, yeah, yeah, use it's action-based. We do have all the uh, social handles. It's just Button. Um, and obviously, you can follow me on Twitter, uh, just Michael Ciccone. And, and uh, you know, we write a lot on how yeah. we think the world's shaping up. And so, so you know, check out what we uh, put out. We just had an article on Business Insider uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, but, you know, I think I think you can see us uh, and read about us. And, and, and most importantly, just 
look at what's happening in the world of commerce. Like you're, you're seeing this stuff all emerge. And, um, and I think it's a pretty exciting day to, to be innovating in this category. Well, Michael, thank you so much. And, I, and thank you for doing this in the penthouse. And thank you for the Coney Island Mermaid Pilsner, which That's I love. Delightful. And for listeners, it. thanks for listening as always. You can find us more about the show at fintechinsiders.com um, and at Fintech Insiders. If you like what you heard this week, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and everywhere else you listen to podcasts and give us a five-star review because we deserve a five-star review. If you give us a five-star review, I'll send you a t-shirt. If you have any suggestions <laughs> or feedback, reach out to us on Twitter or email us at podcast at 11fs.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time. <laughs>